from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm Craig Sauer, Senior Editor for CUNA's Credit Union Magazine. Today's guest is a financial literacy rock star, James Davidson. Davidson is the Financial Literacy Program Manager at Financial Center First Credit Union in Indianapolis. He serves as a face of the credit union in the community, a role that extends beyond the 9-to-5 routine. He works many evenings and weekends to better members' financial lives. That's why, this year, Davidson was named a Credit Union Rockstar by Credit Union Magazine in a special edition of the publication sponsored by Pfizer. Davidson spoke about his outreach efforts by phone with my CUNA colleague, Ron Jose. You are the Financial Literacy Program Manager at Financial Center First Credit Union. Um, Can you tell me what you do in that role? Yes, basically what I do is uh, I create the financial literacy program that we use uh, for our members and uh, teach our members. We do classes on Saturdays, about two Saturdays a month. I also provide financial literacy to our business partners, and we go in and do lunch and learns. And I also go out and work with nonprofits, teaching financial literacy to nonprofits all throughout the city. Um, so whoever asks, we go out and we, and we talk to. We also offer uh, free financial counseling for anybody that asks for it. So tell me a little bit about the classes. The classes, the classes usually focus around budgeting, uh, building credit, rebuilding credit, maintaining credit. Uh, talk a little bit about investing. It's really, it's really the basics. It seems like nowadays people are consumers and they really need to be once again taught how to save and come up with strategies of saving. Teach them about reducing their debt as well. Those sorts of things. So, I don't want to say real basic, but basic enough to get them started. And then after that, we then move on to 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 other things. Do you re- do you recruit people for the classes? Do you, I mean, how do you? What we do is we send out, uh, well, we put out Eventbrite, we let the community know, and we also send out emails to our uh, members, and they go on, they can click the link and go straight to the registration and register for the class. And what we do, what we've done this year with the classes just for our members, we've had already 700 people attend these classes, so it's pretty uh, successful. And then what we do is we offer an incentive for, if they attend three classes, we put $50 in their savings accounts. So we've already done, oh, if I look at the numbers, we're right at $4,000 and incentives have been paid out to our members. It's pretty cool. So what's the track then? So there's there's a track for these classes, it sounds like. There's a track. It's not really. It doesn't have to be a track. Any type of financial literacy. I also have people that come in from the community to teach as well. I have somebody that comes in and talks about fraud and identity protection. I have somebody that comes in and talks about college planning and FAFSA. So it's just different, different uh, subjects. Honestly, um, example is I do what's called Credit 101, and I probably do Credit 101 four times a year. So probably once per quarter, and that class is usually pretty well uh, attended. We also do Budgeting 101 which they'll come, once again, four times a year, about once a quarter. Nice attendance on that as well. Right now we're averaging per class right at about 29 people. So what is your most uh, most attended class? Oh, uh, it's probably the budgeting class. Budgeting. It's Yeah, it's funny because people are always talking about, well, I don't know where my money goes, and it's or I don't make enough money. And once you sit down and you start tracking where the money goes, you start realizing it's not that I'm not making enough. It's just... I'm spending it and not tracking it. I always tell people, you know, we've got all these spending leaks nowadays. You know, everybody's got to go to Starbucks at least once a week, correct? You know, some people go every day. And yeah. You go, well, there you go. You're spending, if you go seven days a week, you spend $5 at 
Starbucks, you're spending 35 a week. You're spending $140 a month on coffee just at Starbucks. And then they go, wow, that's amazing. And then you go, and you know, that's $1,500 a year. If I give you $1,500, would you go spend it on coffee? And their answer is no. Well, that's what you're doing. Where else are those spending weeks? I mean, we, everybody mentioned everybody mentioned Starbucks, and, and I and I totally get that. I mean, I in fact, I'm a coffee drinker. Um, I mean, now I make most of my coffee at home. But uh, what are some other spending weeks? A big one, honestly, is, is you know smokers. Smokers yeah. don't budget on their cigarettes. It's it's amazing. You know, they're spending seven dollars a pack on cigarettes, and that's in Indiana. If they live someplace else. You know, if you live in Chicago, you're spending, what, $9 a pack? Santa New York, $11 a pack? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're very expensive, and it's like, what, most people that smoke smoke at least a pack a day. If you're doing that, you're spending, once again, 7 times 5, is, you know, 30, or 7 times 7 is $49 a week, $50 basically, $200 a month on cigarettes. Uh, the other ones I see, you know, people just, you know, going out to lunch. Yeah. You, you go out to lunch, and you can't. You can't spend under ten dollars nowadays on lunch. Yeah. And if they go out to lunch three days a week, there's thirty dollars. But they don't put it in the budget. They just go, I don't know where my money went. Yeah. Well, your money went to this, this, and this. So we really sit down and we talk about making a, um, making basically tracking that. And I call it a, it's just a spending journal. And to write down everything you spend money on during the week, and then add it up at the end of the week and see where it's going. Because most people know what their rent or their mortgage is. Most people know what their car payment is. They've got an idea about groceries. I always tease. Uh, about groceries, my uh, wife, the answer at home is, you know, stick to the list, and Oreos are never on the list, but for some reason, Oreos always show up, and I'm, well, why do Oreos show up, and the answer always is, because, well, they're on special, right, <laughs> and I use Oreos as an example, because they have no nutritional value whatsoever, but the answer is, well, they're only $2, so I bought them, well, there's $2 we just spent on something we didn't need, and $2 that could have gone someplace else, uh, like your savings account. Sure, sure. Um, now, James, um, to kind of get to your background, um, and I know we've talked before, but you started as a teacher, and uh, I know you really loved that role. Um, can you tell Can you tell me about that? Yes, I actually taught uh, in Indianapolis public schools, so in an urban environment, and I grew up in an urban environment, so I was sort of drawn to that to maybe make a difference in in a child's in a children's life. And uh, I loved it. Did it for 12 years. Had a great time. And it just became one of those times it was just time to move on and do something different. The great thing about what I do now is I'm still affecting people's lives, trying to help them, uh, you know, better better themselves. Because we know the number one stressor in families is financial issues. And if we can help with that, we can we can make life, people's lives better. So how long did you, you taught in the Indianapolis school system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, middle school for seven years and high school for five. So, yeah. It was a. Uh, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, a lot of the students, you know, didn't have uh, you know, fathers in their life, so I think for some of them, I was the surrogate father, which you know was great. Uh, really left the education system not because of the kids. Let's just leave it. You know, it was more of a, the change of management styles at the school system than I. You know, it was something I just figured it was time to move on. So why don't you share the story of how you came to the credit union? Okay, yeah, that's funny. So my wife's looking for a job. So she's on monster.com looking for a job, and she goes, hey, uh, your school, Arsenal Tech, it says here they're going to put a credit union in the school. And I say, they are? She said, yeah, well, why don't you go to work tomorrow and just, you know, talk to people. And the school I taught at is 80 acres, so it's a gigantic school. But I, you know, pretty well connected in there. So I go up to the main office, and I poke around, and I come back that night, and I say, yeah, they're putting in a credit union. And she goes, well, you should apply for that position. And I said, I'm not looking for a job. You are. And she's like, well, just, just put your resume in and see what happens. 
And so we put the resume in, and uh, long story short, I got offered the job, and here we are nine years later. And we've gone from just having we – had, we had three credit unions in three high schools. That model didn't really work for us, so what we did is we, we switched it around to this newer model. Where I still actually go out into high schools and, and speak to students, but we're not really attached to a school where you have to be there all the time. Uh, now it's, I can service a lot more students this way. And uh, again, just getting kind of back to your background, I know you, you really kind of were influenced by your parents to just kind of the way you were brought up. You said you kind of had an inner city upbringing. Can you tell us a little bit about how you were raised? Yeah, I, I was actually the first in my family uh, on my mom's side. I was first born. My mother had me uh, senior year of high school. My parents got married right after she graduated, so she actually had me three months after she graduated. And um, so I was the oldest on that side. On my dad's side, I was one of the younger ones, but nobody had ever gone to college. And uh, so when it, when I was growing up, everybody kept telling me, when you go to college, when you go to college, well, the funny thing was I had nobody as a role model for what it's like to go to college, but I did have a dad that worked very hard to uh, to, to move me along. Because I did grow up in, in you know, in the urban areas. Uh, by the time I was in middle school, I was in a lot of trouble, and uh, he took a chance on me, and he put me in a in a private high school, which I hated the first year and a half, and um, really made a difference in my life because it made me see that the way that I was behaving and acting wasn't the norm for everyone. That was just the norm that I was used to because of the neighborhood. And once I was sort of taken away from that and put into another area where uh, Success was expected. You know, it was expected. Um, it, it really changed things. And, you know, this guy sacrificed and paid the money for the school and, and moved me forward. And, you know, my dad always worked, has always worked hard his whole life, worked for the same company for 47 years. And um, he took a chance on me. And then we, we got to college and we made a deal on college that he would, uh, he would pay tuition and I would pay room and board and all my other expenses. And he came up to get me my sophomore year at Christmas break, and I told him, uh, I said, I think we're wasting our time and our money on this. And he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, grades aren't where they should be. You know, I think it's just time to come home and, you know, call Grandpa and get a job working at the working at the Ford plant. And he's like, well, why would you say that? And I'm like, I just, you know, I don't like what I'm studying. I don't, you know, I don't want to do this. He said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I've always wanted to be a teacher, but they don't make very much money. And he said, that's that's a good profession. They make decent money. You know, you can if that's something you want to do, you should. That's why you should do it. That's something you like. So he changed my mind, and I stayed at school and excelled, and the rest is history. Yeah, that's that's really a great story. And obviously, to that end, you all, I know you do believe in education, and um, not just the members, but you also teach your uh, do a lot of teaching with your credit union staff. The, the, your employees. How how does that process work within your credit union? We offer um, we offer a few different things. We offer classes either in the morning before work, about once a, about once every two months, and we also offer lunch and learns at lunchtime where they can come in. And we offer the same classes that we offer our our, our members, uh, but we also offer the one on one counseling, which I've actually been lucky enough that I've had actually had employees that come and sit down with me. And what we do is we offer this, um, they, with our HSAs, for each quarter that we put money into their HSA, they have to, they have to do something. They either have to do something like uh, join Weight Watchers or join a gym or, 
or something like that. But one of the things we decided was if they come to those classes, that will count as what we can use for their qualifier to put the uh, money into their HSA form. So we've uh, sort of put a little bit of an incentive on there. So what are HSAs? What, what are uh, health savings accounts. Okay. So yeah, health savings accounts. So if they come, so if they come to the the, the classes, that that counts for the into the HSA. Yeah. So each quarter they have to do something like uh, for the fourth quarter we all have to go get a physical, and we just have to you know have proof of the paperwork that we went for the physical, and they put X amount of dollars in our HSA account, our health savings accounts. So for the first three quarters, one of the things they could have done as a qualifier was attend classes with me or sit down and do a one-on-one financial counseling session. To kind of backtrack, when you came from the teaching role to, to the, your role at the, edu, uh, at the credit union, how did you get, get up to, uh, get, how did you get educated on, into your financial education? Well, I, I think part of it was in the background of, I was actually a business major for the first year and a half okay. in college, so that that and also, I was a, as an educator. I taught social studies, so I actually taught, taught economics. So I have an economics background, yeah. which helped. So I had the, I had the finance and economics background from there, and then just up to speed. You know, I actually went went and listened to other people speak. You know, I was looking for uh, continuing education, so I, I went to a few different uh, conferences and and got everything together and went from there. A lot of your job seems like it's motivation. Do you kind of see yourself as a motivator as well? I think so. I think, well, I don't, it's funny you say that. I I, I can motivate people, but I don't see myself as a motivator. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I've always been a, you know, a teacher and a coach, and I find, you know, I don't go, I'm a motivator. I'm not that guy right. that gets up the motivational yeah, speaker. Yes. I've I just... I guess I I'd say I am, but I don't see myself as such because we're really showing people uh, a way to be successful with their money, and if, you know, part of that is getting them happy, laughing, and then taking the next steps forward. I mean, we've all been to conferences or classes where we have a speaker and they just put us to sleep. That you don't take anything from that. So really, I, I guess I could you could say I'm a motivator. Yeah, you want to energize. Come out, people come out. They're happy. They're excited. They they're wanting to take that step forward. They're they're not walking out where it's like, oh gosh, I've got to do this. They walk out going, yes, I want to do this. Yeah, it's one thing to motivate people. You uh, you want to you want people to share your energy and, and inspire people. I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, and the question is, though, do I see myself? I don't really see that as who I am, but I guess I am. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's people that will put, I'm a motivational speaker on the resume. I wouldn't put that on my resume. It's just not my style, I okay. guess. But but I do motivate them. Um, At least I've had some emails that said I've motivated them. I've got some really great success stories. You, I know that you're kind of seen as the face of the financial center credit union um, in the community. Um because you work with other nonprofits, um, can what can you kind of can you tell me some of the uh, organizations that you've partnered with? Yes, I think the biggest one you probably know of is the Salvation Army. I actually go to the Salvation Army uh, women's shelter and, and teach usually once a month, sometimes twice a month. Uh, I work with a lot of groups that deal with domestic violence. The one uh, locally that I work with most is called Prevail. And it's uh, it's battered women, and just go in there and we teach classes, and I do sit do the one-on-one counseling and try to get them, you know, to where they're a little bit more successful in life because a lot of the those women 
coming from a point where you know they have nothing now because of, of divorce and of domestic violence. Um, work with multiple homeless shelters. I work with a group called Back of My Feet, which is actually a uh, drug rehabilitation group, and they they um, what they do is they substitute the drug abuse for actually running and walking. So they get up, the guys get up in the morning and they and they do their two mile, three mile walk, five mile walk, and uh, that's a process. Um, I also work with a few different food shelters in the city. Uh, the most, po- not the most popular, but the most best known one is St. Vincent de Paul. So I go out to different. They've got different um, satellites that I go out to all throughout Marion County, uh, Johnson County, Hamilton County. So sort of, to, yeah. I tend to go wherever I'm asked to go. <laughs> that I mean, that's got to be a whole different approach in working with groups like that, as far as financial education. It's not just working and that, with. Go ahead. Yeah. And, I guess that goes back to your question of motivation. These people, yeah, that, that's it. Really, is more of a, a session where you're, you, you know, you're trying to motivate them. Go look. I know you don't have right now. You right now, things aren't where you want them to be. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be. And if you have the tools, you're going to be more successful. You know, once you transition out of homelessness and you've got this job, now you have the tools to make your life better. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it can be. But at the same time, it's it's. The basic idea of, you know, each one of us has X amount of dollars, and then we have to make decisions with it. So, uh, where, uh, where do you start? Like, say, women with domestic issues. Do most of the, those women do they have income? Do you start with budgeting? Um, do you start with just starting on their own? Yeah, we start with honestly. The, the first thing with most of them, we start with. Believe it or not, most of them, of them are unbanked. Okay. So they've never had their own bank account. So we start with the idea that you need to have a bank account with a savings account and a checking account. And then once they do have an income source coming in, we talk about, okay, now how much are you going to put towards savings? And I always say, you know, right now just just commit to, you know, a dollar a week if you can do that and just start saving a little bit. Just get even in the habit of, of, of saving. I, I, one of the strategies I use with everybody is the 52-week challenge. Have you heard of that one? That's where you basically no, no. the first week. Yes, I have. Yeah, let's let's go ahead. Please uh, tell us about it. Uh, it's a great program. Yeah, I, I always say because people are always like, "Well, I can't save. You know, I don't have the extra money." And I said, "Well, let's let's look at the fifty-two week challenge. You start with the first week. You put a dollar in your savings account. Can everybody do that? Everybody says yes. Okay, week number two, two dollars. Week number three, three dollars. Week number four, four dollars. And then I get to five, and everybody's like, "Yeah, I can still do that." And I go, "So now you get it." So the next week's six, and up to the the final week, which is fifty-two. So the most you end up putting in your savings account is fifty-two dollars. They're all like, "Oh yeah, I could do that." Then I say, "Well, if you do that, you have you'll have fifteen hundred dollars in your savings account." They're like, "No way." And I'm like, "Yeah, take out the calculator and add it up." And they're they're always amazed. So I really think, I think. We're fighting this this uh, this animal, which is called consumption in this country. We are consumers. Uh, we want everything, you know, not not tomorrow. We want it today. Uh, we can pick up our phone and get anything we want. With the, you know, Amazon will get us same day delivery. And I think because of that, we we put savings on the back burner. And I, the, really, the goal is to put savings more on the on the front burner of thinking about how much can I save today, not how much I can buy today or spend today. So I, I suppose in your job you really learn a lot about consumers and conspicuous consumption. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know the new iPhone came out this week, right? <laughs> yeah. Perfect example. <laughs> we're we, we're going to go spend a thousand dollars on a phone while we're playing on the phone we already have. That yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think, you know, there's got to be somebody, you know, 30 years ago that made a parody of this, but this is us now. <laughs> so you're also in the process of taking your financial, your credit union's uh, education efforts online. Uh, can you tell us where you are in that process and what that's going to involve? Yeah, we're uh, we're working with a company right now. I can't use their name, but okay. they have a they have a they have um, they have a great system, and that system will be integrated into ours, so that the, the people can go online and, and take the classes. And not only can they go online and take the classes, but we can also track what's going on. The great thing about that is, um, if they can't make it to the classes, they can substitute the classes online. And it also helps us see what they're doing and where they are and where they may need help. Um, so yeah, it's going to be great. Can't wait to do it. Now, Hopefully the goal is to have it up by uh, January, January, the end of January in 2018. And you were honored uh, by CUNA with the uh, Desjardins Adult Financial Literacy National Award, actually from 2015 through 2017. And what specifically were you honored for? Well, it's actually the credit union itself was honored yeah. for it. Okay. But yeah. basically, we are, we were honored for uh, what happens is, so we have to apply at the state level, Indiana Credit Union League, and we applied for the Desjardins uh, financial adult, adult Financial Literacy and Student Financial Literacy, and we won for the state, which we've won for the state now for seven years straight. Um, we actually got our awards this past Friday for winning again this year. And so... What will happen is they will send that in to the national level, and it's based on asset category. And um, we we won our asset category. We actually won. We actually won this past year. The year before that, we came in second place, and the year before that, we came in first in our asset category. But what happened was in 2015, our asset category was below uh, 500 million, and we moved up a category for 2016 and 17. So we were actually competing against the big credit unions. I think we average probably, gosh, we've been averaging right between, right around 4,000 people that we teach a year um, in the community and our members all combined. So between four or 5,000 a year. So we're, it's really great that I work for a credit union that actually sees that as, as an important um, service to, to provide. A lot of banks and credit unions wouldn't be able to do that. They, you know, that they have to pay me a salary. That's money they could have spent somewhere else. But uh, they're really committed here at Financial Center to, to provide that financial literacy to the community. And I, I, I'm just happy and blessed that I'm able to the one that's able to do it. You know, kind of to end things, I have some random questions just so people can kind of get to know you a little bit better. Um, you ready for these? I'll, yeah, uh, I'll try. Okay, okay. Uh, what was your first concert? Uh, believe it or not, it was Kiss. And it was the original band with their makeup on, and I was nine years old. That was mine, too. That was my first concert. No way. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, it was uh, life-changing, right? Yeah. It, well, yeah. It was, yeah. I was reaffirming, put it that way. Yeah. 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 And what's funny, because we went, my wife and I went to see them when they got back together as the original band. Yeah, I went as an adult, too. Yeah. Again. Yeah, and I, when you saw him as a kid, it was just like, oh my gosh! And then when I was an adult, I'm just like, this is so funny. <laughs> yeah, you 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 understand that it, the theater of it all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Um, what's your go-to karaoke song? Well, I don't usually karaoke. Yeah, yeah. same here. <laughs> but if I do, it's, if I do, it's usually something by Elvis. Okay. Uh, where will people find you when you're not working? 
uh, usually at home with my 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 family. I like to hang around with my family and friends. Uh, I'm blessed that I've got you know a house that's you know nice size that people can come over and we we just I like to hang out and cook and 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 just socialize. So most days there. What's your favorite place to travel? Oh, you know, as family, we like to go to Hilton Head Island every year in South Carolina. Try to go, you know, every year, every other year. Love to go. Uh, my wife would tell you her favorite place to travel is Disney World, uh, so I'll put that as a second. Okay. <laughs> that, goes, that goes against the whole budgeting idea that Disney World is so expensive. Yes, I've experienced that as well. Uh, uh, if you had one, what would your superpower be? Oh, gosh, it'd probably be a mind reading. You don't know what people are thinking. Yeah, yeah, you you could make a lot of money doing that too. Uh, what is your favorite app? Wow, favorite app. Oh, yeah. You know, on my phone, my favorite app probably is it's a game. It's actually a the game of Risk. Did you ever play that as a kid? Yes. Yeah, so they've got it on their phone now, so I can play Risk. I guess that makes me sort of geekish, but yeah, I, like, I love yeah. to play Risk on my phone. College. <laughs> Uh, Facebook or Twitter? Uh, don't even do Twitter. I'm on Facebook a little bit, so Facebook. Okay. Uh, guacamole or salsa? Ah, uh, fresh make guacamole. Okay. Good answer. Uh, appetizer or dessert? Appetizer, for sure. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. If you'd like to learn more about James Davidson and the more than 50 other Credit Union rock stars named by Credit Union Magazine this year, visit news.cuna.org rockstar.